all you loyal listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake presents Spooktober. Did we ever decide a name on yeah. November? I, I, I guess yeah. we never really decide a name on it, but that's kind of our mantra. That's what we go by. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, and I remember how those boys could dance. Joined, as always, by my fellow co-host uh, Dan Ryan. Uh, just remembering everyone to please uh, swear fealty to Pumpkin King of Ghosts. Mm. Easily confused with other uh, deities and monarchs, but there's only one pumpkin. Yeah, are yeah. we talking Yu-Gi-Oh? Are we talking Nightmare Before Christmas? We're lore? talking Yu-Gi-Oh. We're oh, talking okay, the big right, yeah. pumpkin with yeah. tentacles. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the shadow on the moon at night. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> Oh. I'm a big bag of bugs that gambles for yeah. some reason. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we may be in November by the time you're hearing this, but October and Halloween lives forever in our hearts. Thus, yes. continuing the tradition until Christmas time. Um, yes. Along those lines, yeah, but we always do something like that. And we're not that far behind on pop culture news and such. No. Um, we just love the spooks, we love the screams. Last week we watched The Frighteners, which was scary in a different way. <laughs> well, Mr. No Fun Allowed. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I do love The Frighteners, and yeah, I do yeah. still recommend people check it out. You know, just to, just to test the waters oh, to fun. see what they want. It was a fun time, but uh, we're going after something near and dear to my heart. Yes. That truly is scary. <laughs> and I think in both of our cases, in addition to these movies, we found some more content that tracks pretty nicely mm-hmm. with Halloween. So yes, we're going yes. to share that first, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but before we get to the main affair, Dan, do we have any news? I know I'm light on the news, so if you want me to go first, or if you want to alternate with certain stories, I'm fine either way. I guess I'll start with the sad one mm-hmm. that I neglected to mention last week. We obviously lost Matthew Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about, about you, my co-host, yeah. or how many listeners, uh, you know, were fans of Friends. I have seen Friends at least the entire way through, like, 20 times wow. in my life. I never so knew. I've only I... seen it through once, but as a child, but I remember them. Yeah. No, if, like, that in Seinfeld were always, like, those two, because, like, TBS always, had TBS had nothing else It had those two shows on. Mm-hmm. And just spent years of my life watching them. So they're both, you know, important shows. I mean, obviously Matthew Perry was, uh, you know, such an important part of that. But in his own words, he doesn't just want to be remembered for that stuff. He Mm -hmm. also wants to be remembered for, like, the charities that he set up to help people struggling with drug addiction Mm -hmm. and things like that. So do check those things out that he he did. Yes, yes. Uh, Important friend lost. I I love how the cast has banded together and saying, like, just offering their condolences and such because they were clearly close according to that um, uh, friends reunion we just had a couple years ago, a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. So interesting to see. And it's an American tentpole in pop culture and all over the world and, and there friends. is like the famous story of like after the first I think season or two where they all kind of banded together to get a collective raise mm. for each other like mm-hmm. they all agreed that if one of us like if all of us don't get it then you know one of us won't accept it mm. so that was that was cool yeah but yeah, yep. And you? Um, two things. I guess I'll go through these lickety split. Uh, first thing is the new season of Dragula has started on AMC and Shudder. Mm-hmm. Um, I say this every season with the hopes that Dan might tune it on. It's a drag horror competition show with queens from all over the world doing spooky, scary things. Uh, this mm-hmm. week's theme was uh, Terror in the Woods. So we had a few Blair Witch Project references. It's like Drag Race, except uh, a little more intense and spooky and bloody. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> instead of like lip syncing to stay, they're doing like uh, fright feats. This fright feat was a uh, jumping off a bridge, bungee jumping off a bridge. Okay. So like certain things you wouldn't be able to do, but uh, I do like Dracula. The budget is here once more. Um, it, the budget only increases every other time along with the fanfare. So, you know, maybe check it out. I know you're not... Drag is... It's really coming into prominence lately. We've got too much drag lately. Well, uh, no, I'm, I'm aware of that. And mm. I will almost certainly check it out uh, at some point. Even my brother, I think, is a frequent viewer of that stuff sometimes. Mm. But the... I, I do I guess I gotta give a shout out to Shudder. Because Shudder does oh, yeah. interesting stuff sometimes. Yeah. I've watched, like... I think they did like a like a creep show anthology oh, recently. I hated it. it they they I tried a couple episodes. I despised it. No, it was bad. Yeah. I'm just. It, it, but it. You know. I. I don't know what the the watermark of quality for creep show was. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides oh, maybe that, fir- yeah, that the first, first movie. The first two were yeah. good. Creep show and then they had a sequel. Creep show two. That were also pretty good. But uh, it, it it was, you know. So at least they're putting money to things like that because it feels like a lot of places don't these days yeah. and yeah. i don't i don't count american horror story in that so mm, as you shouldn't lately but yes a, a different day a different time dan mm-hmm. and then um i picked up a new manga related to a manga that i'm currently obsessed with okay uh as you know which had atelier has snagged my heart mm-hmm. um lately coming state tide is the partner manga about cooking which had atelier kitchen okay <laughs> which is <laughs> just about cooking and it's interesting because we see the two himbo characters, the two teachers that live in this atelier with these these girls teaching them magic. Mm-hmm. When the girls are asleep, they go to the kitchen and they just cook real-world recipes that all look good. So like, it's canonical to the universe? It's canonical you're... to the universe. There's real-world recipes included, including croquettes and different kinds of soups and gazpachos and such. Mm-hmm. Things that you could actually make at home. I just find it charming, Dan. It's a nice, relaxing... Uh, manga read, and when this eventually comes to anime, which had Atelier proper, we will be watching it because they better do it a service because this manga is gorgeous. Um, yeah. As as you have emphasized, yep, yep, so, yep. Oh, yeah, you know yep. I love a witch. Hopefully, <laughs> I love can, an anime. Yeah. They can workshop that to find the correct studio for it and everything. Mm. And then last was just Mario, but I'm sure you'll talk about Mario. So uh, yeah, I can I can I can bring up Mario last. Yeah, we it's not a lot. Usually talk about that. You have way more to talk about than me, but um, that's all she wrote. Well, the first thing I guess we, as of the day of this recording, Attack on Titan yet ended oh, yeah, yesterday. That's right. The broke the Crunchyroll app, which is nothing new. But <laughs> no, it doesn't take much, uh, sadly. But yeah, no, it 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 ended. It adapted the manga ending that had gained all that controversy I wouldn't when know. it first came yeah. out. Uh, I, I forget if it was even earlier this year or last year. Um, but the sense I get is that they, you know, they did it justice and kind of improved how the characters come off. Mm. Like, I don't know, be it yeah. through what they can express in anime and how they can, like, slightly alter dialogue, they made it less, um... Cringe? Jar- yeah, yeah, cringe <laughs> is probably the, the thing. Um, because there was that famous panel of Aaron in, in the water, like, screaming that he wants to be with, uh, with Mikasa. Mm. Um, but I, I think that the anime, in adapting it, kind of softened it. But once again, on Twitter, it's kind of ignited that discourse about whether or not it was a good ending or a bad ending. Mm. I am um, very behind on Attack on Titan, so I oh, cannot say I only way. saw the first season and read the first few chapters, so I don't know what happens on that show. Well, that first season was like a group viewing for us. Oh, it was yeah, me, you, yeah. Grant, and John. Yeah, that, that was, was like, you know, at the height of our youth, 
We yeah. were still young and unafraid. Our but, dreams laid out before us. But it was, um, but it's something I intend to catch up on. I think yeah. I was like on season three when yeah. I stopped. But, uh, but yeah. So that was that was a significant event yesterday. Mm. Um. Also in news that I'm almost positive I forgot to bring up last week because I got distracted by Pluto on Netflix, yes, yes. very good series, mm-hmm. uh, was the announcement during our break week of Dragon Ball Daima, uh-huh. which is yeah. the next Dragon Ball series, the next installment in the GT2, franchise. GT2, yes. Basically GT2, <laughs> which was a pleasant surprise to mm, me. To you. To, to me. But the internet didn't like it. The internet did not like no, it. No, no, no. Um... So it was kind of unveiled at, I believe, uh, a Comic-Con that was happening. Mm-hmm. It was like that Netflix con. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was like an anime con or something. Yeah, yeah it was It was one of several events, and they kind of capped it off with a Daima announcement. Um, but it focuses on Goku and the entire main cast, this time getting turned into <laughs> chibi children. Sell more merch. Sell more merch. <laughs> uh, and in Goku's kind of powered-down state, with his powers limited, he's back to using his power pole, which hasn't been seen since, since like, forever, yeah. early Dragon... Like, like late into Dragon Ball, early Z, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, everyone else is also a kid now. And uh, Goten and Trunks are babies for anyone who wanted to see them grow up. Uh, And the Supreme Kai and Kabito, who are also children now, (laughs) are seemingly joining Goku on sort of like an outer space adventure Mm. to go and find the Dragon Balls or some other power source to Mm. undo this spell. Uh, Because the title itself, Daima, is, is stated to be by Toriyama a nonsense word that combines, like, great and magic, I think. Hmm. So that that mystical aspect will seemingly be the focus of it. They're promising, like, this is going to get into territory that Dragon Ball hasn't explored yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously a lot of parallels to GT, a lot of very surprising parallels to it. Mm. Um, and it was not at all what I was expecting... But as I said, I was pleasantly surprised, because it seems like a, for better or worse, like a refreshing, yet again, of, of what was going on. Yeah. But but obviously... But you are a fan of GT, so... I am a fan yeah. of GT. <laughs> so, I mean, We're probably watching it soon, it's but... A, it takes a lot to take Dan Ryan out of the moment. <laughs> it does. <laughs> to make uh, him upset or hate anything. We're, we're probably... He's pure in that way. You know, we yeah. ended up working out, because we yeah. might just be watching He's GT. He's the sugar to the spice. <laughs> But, uh, obviously, and and kind of myself included, a lot of people did want to see adaptations of, like, the Moro arc and the Survivor Granola arc that the manga had been doing. Uh, that had come from Todayaro, who had been taking over the manga duties mm-hmm. when Toriyama just did the character designs and stuff. Um, and it does kind of make me wonder where those sagas and stuff fit into the greater timeline, because mm. in the manga itself, those arcs are set between when the movies release. So it's like we have the, you know, the the, the Broly movie happens, and then I think it goes into the Moro arc, and then, um, you know, and then the Survivor Granola arc, and then the superhero movie would be the final cap on that. Mm. Um so I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see adaptations of those 
of those characters, but they have become beloved in their own way. Like, Moro is an awesome villain up to a certain point, and Granola was a very interesting saga that, that offered some insight into, like, the, the past of the Saiyans and Goku's father and everything. Bardock, like, got some extra development during that time. And, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's kind of interesting to see where this will go from here. But Daima seems to be, uh, like, a fresh start in terms of moving forward with a new story. Mm. Um, maybe it can... It can kind of take some of GT's mistakes and not fix them. And fix them, because obviously the appeal of GT when it first started was that this is going to be a back-to-the-basics Dragon Ball-type adventure. We're going to focus more on a story instead of on building up to fights. And when that didn't work that well, or when maybe the reception wasn't that great, they switched it to, like, the Super 17 saga and then... The Shadow Dragons, which are just nothing but continuous fights. Mm. So maybe if they're, if they're thinking we want to go more story-centered for this stretch, I hope they stick to it. That would be my only request. Um, but I'm, I'm obviously excited to see what yes. comes of it. Yep. Uh, I must mention mm -hmm. that uh, this past Friday was, was Godzilla Day. Oh, of course. International Godzilla Day. Had it marked on the calendar. Day of celebration, a feast Dan, day. Dan came out dressed as Beyond Day, Beyond Day, whatever. Biolante. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, we got a lot of content that I do recommend people go check out. One of which was the yearly Godzilla Fest. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's proper to call it a fan film. I think it's, it's official in some capacity in that they give the people filming it, the suits that were used in previous movies, like uh, in this year's uh, G-Fest 4 short film, it's Godzilla and Jet Jaguar, a fan favorite who uh, might appear on this podcast at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and they're teaming up to fight King Ghidorah, and the Ghidorah suit used in the short film is the same one from Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah, All Out Monsters Attack, that we watched here. Mm -hmm. Uh, then, because it was the 50th anniversary of Godzilla vs. Megalon, similar to the Godzilla vs. Gigan anniversary last year, mm -hmm. uh, we got a much more, um, I guess, professional-looking with CGI Godzilla vs. Megalon short film, uh, just like the one that we got with Gigan last year. Uh, and that's awesome, because... Gigan has always maintained his popularity. He's one of my faves, obviously. Mm -hmm. But Megalon hasn't really gotten shit in a, in a long time. He hasn't gotten, like, attention from... He doesn't get adapted into new versions. No. I think he shows up in comics occasionally, but he's not... So it was cool to see, you know, kind of like the year of Luigi. It was yeah. nice to see <laughs> the, the year, year of, of Me Megalon. Megalon for yeah. a little bit. And Dan was excited. I was excited. <laughs> he got up and cheered. I did. Um... <laughs> Where's the year of Big Octopus? Where Otaku? Yeah, or, yeah. gone or whatever his name Maybe is. Maybe someday. <laughs> just just a live-action giant octopus. Well, he technically shows up in that Kong Skull Island. Technically, there's a big <gasps> octopus in that movie. But um, And then, obviously, Godzilla Minus One comes out mm -hmm. on December 1st in, in most international yeah, You'll be watching that. I'll be watching um, Bernstein and <laughs> Maestro. <laughs> Really showing the dichotomy of our friendship no, exactly. there. Yeah, the duality here. Uh, there's two wolves inside everyone. Yeah. Um, and then I, I believe some teases for the Apple Plus 
Godzilla series that's coming out, I believe, on the 17th. And just a lot of really nice Godzilla content. A lot of posters, a lot of vinyls, a lot of uh, figures and everything else yeah. uh, to, to fully help you celebrate Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay, capitalism. <laughs> yes. In support of the mighty Godzilla. Um, and I finished Spider-Man 2. It's this... on Netflix now, I think? Did I see it on Netflix? Or is that the first one on Netflix? No, the video game. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking. Well, you also saw that too, right? And you had a life-changing experience. Didn't you see the second Spider-Verse movie? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. But, yeah, I but, saw Across the Spider-Verse. Loved we, it. Finally, yeah, yeah. we can't talk about those yet. But yeah, yeah. We, can, we can't. <laughs> Not we can't yet. Do that. Yeah. But um, sorry, Spider-Man. Spider-Man Two, the video game. Yeah. Uh, finished it. Loved it. Mary Jane starts a podcast Great. at the end. We love that. Which has like... It's hanging out with your best friend. <laughs> it, it, it has like those weird... Um, what is it? Like the other Spider-Woman? No, it's it's <laughs> like a... It, she calls it... And I don't know if I'm spoiling too much here. She calls it the new normal. And it very much has undertones of like one of those post-COVID podcasts. Oh. But, it, it, but it's... But it's in response to like a goober alien invasion that happened. Oh. So it's not. It's not like they don't reference COVID. It's just like it's we've like been Julie, through a It's lot. like Julie Klausner's solo podcast, then, which is fine. We yeah. we had to stay in for a while because the aliens were attacking <laughs> New York City for a bit, which. The Avengers Wasn't that weird? Yeah. And the that would military be us. didn't, like, didn't affect it. <laughs> the aliens are outside. Oh, well, we're not going to miss Sunday. <laughs> we got to watch something. <laughs> uh, Get over quick. <laughs> but quality game. I'm having fun completing stuff on Lock and More Suits, and there's a ton of stuff left to do on like in the open world, yeah, even after the Some DLC, as you said last week, probably coming. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Lots of, you know, surprising character teases and stuff. Uh, one of which, maybe in like a few weeks, if for lack of news, when I feel like people have more so finished the game, I'll talk about it. But there's a lot of cool things that could hint at like a third addition to the Spider family. Oh, I think they'll be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I it, hope it's a dog. It would be, it'd be cool to, Spider dog. to see. Yeah. Um... And then obviously, been playing Mario Wonder. Mario Wonder, um, I sat down yesterday when I woke up at 5.30. Thank you, extra hour mm-hmm. that we received today. Blessing me, as always, and complete the next world. I only beat the first three worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, thoroughly enjoying it. I love how the third world was kind of a fake-out. There was no big castle or anything. Yeah. It was just yeah. a bunch of trials. And then the hidden passage to the secret world that you have to find. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I'm I'm loving it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not that far. I'm just like in, in World, World Four. Four. Yeah, uh, the the sun baked desert, yep. which has like a desert slash like desert kingdom theme. A lot of sand. Yeah, which is a which is a cool take on that. Bowser Junior stole all the water. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just just loving it. It's <laughs> just such a it's just a solid game. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Making yeah. making a legit attempt to 100% it. Oh, well, I'll definitely do that. There's no issue with that. A 2D Mario? Easy. Well, and one of your prophecies came true, because to that end of making sure that if I, when I go back to play a level again to like 100%, it, Red mm-hmm. Yoshi has been indispensable for Red that. Red Yoshi. Part. I haven't touched one of those characters yet. Only Peach for me. Peach only. A, a 100% Peach run, then. Yeah. I... Online, so I can scoop myself <laughs> over to the ghost if I die, but... <laughs> Should have known. Yeah, but 100% only Peach run for that. Of course. Um, and I think 
What's the next game coming out? There's something coming out soon next month. Oh, the Mario RPG is coming out soon. I cannot believe that is so soon. Uh, that felt like a next year announcement, but no. that is soon. And apparently Thousand Year Door might come earlier, is the rumor. Like, that might have right. been a fake date, like a placeholder date, but it might release real soon. It could. If they want to, like, end the Switch end era. Me. If they want to end me. Well, they want to end you. <laughs> Just and release that. I'll be good. End the Switch era on, like, a big note. I'll replay that, that before I touch any other game. Put Zelda aside, which I'm almost done with. New Amiibos, by the way, look great. Mm -hmm. Check them out later on my, my table. Of course. Yeah, they'll be there. Ooh, mm, okay. yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh, limp it. Yeah, too many video games. Too many video games, yeah. But there are bigger problems in this world, so there are. I shan't <laughs> complain about that. Um, but that's all the news I have. That's yeah. everything I got, and I didn't work on any tangent, Dan. No, that's fine. I yeah. I have been uh, trying to get back into the groove of making art. I've uh, been going to bed at seven. So yeah, we've we've both been struggle bussing a yes. little bit. Um, but I do intend to start pumping because we have so many prompts left. Undone. Pumping what? <laughs> Uh, shots of uh, vanilla syrup, mostly. <laughs> but the, but yeah. So I'm gonna try to work on those. Okay. The only thing I, I ran past you was for my own weeb purposes, because mm -hmm. I'm a fan of pirates and yes, Blackbeard. Yeah, yes. Uh, that we give what? Popeye a rival, and then on his little bilge barge, he's the one that ferries you around the That's island. no issue. We can easily yeah, so do that. I was the thinking, approval stamp was given yes. late at night. Um, in our little Sevai Islands yeah. equivalent. Uh, but but other than that, I am ready to get into today's content. As am I, and in fact, I have lots of notes about this movie because it is a favorite of mine for many different reasons. And I wanted to say, mm -hmm. I'm pleased with that because though I have seen Carrie many times before, mm -hmm. I have never looked into anything about it. So that's what I... What do you mean? You haven't seen Carrie 2, the musical? You no, seen... I've, I've never researched oh. anything beyond the movie oh itself. Oh my gosh, so that's... well then I've got a whole treasure trove for you then. I'm ready for the gospel This is like here. one of the ones I could do an actual podcast on yeah. without Wikipedia. Yeah. But, Go for it. But it does serve to help. So continuing our Spooktober, Spookfest, whatever we want to call it. Boovember. Boovember, <clears throat> yes. Uh, we are watching Brian De Palma's Carrie 1976 today, mm -hmm. which is a seminal classic in Jonathan, the evil Jonathan arc origin, as I like to call it. This is my <laughs> origin story. I know I mentioned that often on the podcast, but clearly as the prom king winner, <laughs> yes. that's right, if you recall, Dan, yeah, no. this movie holds a special place for me. No, of course. Yeah. You did and how I wish that prom would have went that way instead. <laughs> but You, you know. did not get carried, no, but well, still. At the Singapore down the shore, I might have gotten carried. <laughs> <laughs> I was wishing for this instead, but uh, here we are nonetheless. So, uh, in fact, a little trivia before we even begin, this was originally one of my Sinister Six picks, but it's been promoted to an actual episode proper, because right. in debating between whether this is a good movie or a bad movie, I decide that it's clearly a good movie, it just doesn't know what genre it's trying to be. Okay. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not. Is it a Greek tragedy, which we'll get to, or is it a comedy, a 70s comedy, or is it just a pure horror film? Mm-hmm. No one really knows, but Carrie is a 1976 film celebrating its 47th, 47th anniversary just two days ago, Dan. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, American supernatural horror film directed by Brian De Palma, who's known for suspense, crime, and thriller. Um, Dressed to Kill, Scarface, Mission Impossible, Phantom of the Paradise. 
an icon in directing. Didn't Phantom of the Paradise have something the other Guillermo day, Guillermo del Toro bought the original costume this oh, week. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he yeah, preserved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, another tie into our podcast. Um, from a screenplay written by Lawrence D. Cohen, who is a very famous Stephen King movie adapter... For other reasons, we'll see why this is one of the best Stephen King adaptations of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the only good ones, dubbed by many. Um, his work includes uh, the infamous Carrie musical, which he also wrote. Which you have teased about. Uh, I could do an entire episode on that, which right. it was a near miss. I know we're bringing this up early, but I was debating between whether showing this or there is a bootleg cut of all the musicals interpretations online at two hours, mm-hmm. a master cut. It was neck and neck. But I said, you know, I did a musical last week. There's a musical coming in future. I don't want to overwhelm Dan with musicals. You can always put I'll it in save- the pot for Oh, future. I'll save it for later. But yeah. it's, a, it's a difficult experience and it's a different journey that we're going on with Carrie. And of course, uh, Lawrence D. Cohen is known for our fan favorite Stephen King adaptation, The Tommyknockers. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Seldom talked about. Just, but. <laughs> just running out of time, Dan. Well, and I mean, I have to mention, it's adapted from Stephen King's 1974 Episitorlory Episodic. I'm just going to say that instead. Uh, novel of the same name. Um, Stephen King doesn't need any introduction for me. You actually did Stephen King before me on my adjacent podcast by bringing us Maximum Overdrive. That's right. I've yeah. only done The Shining, but I am a huge Stephen King fan. I am a constant yeah. reader since middle school. So anything Stephen King, you come to me. That's one of my masterwork subject matters that you need to interview me on. And I am not a reader, but <laughs> in my childhood, I watched like every movie adaptation of his work. Yeah. Uh, right up in, like, oh god, what is it, Graveyard Shift? Yeah. Um, the Langoliers, was the Langoliers? Langoliers yeah. King, yeah. yeah. Langoliers especially was one of those things where I, it, Maximum Overdrive, I unironically love, mm-hmm. I, I still love. Yeah. But the Langoliers was one of those ones that I watched even as a child, I'm like, eh, this yeah. is pushing it. But like, you young me it nonetheless, yeah. Sat aside, like, like my lollipop and my propeller hat, and I'm like, eh, this which, is this is pushing it. Which <laughs> is odd because if there's any author Dan Ryan could get into, yeah, it's Stephen King. So, like, if you're ever encouraged to pick up a book and learn your ABCs, yes, please try. That's not Star Wars related. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll have many a recommendation for you. And we're in kind of a Stephen King renaissance, which we've always existed in, but there's a lot of revivals. New TV shows, movies coming out ever since, like, the It remake and such. Yes. We've gotten tons of Stephen King things, and I'm not complaining with more on the horizon to come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the film has a very eclectic cast, uh, a cast that has become very more famous over time and related to theater in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So I want to break down them. Of course, as Carrie White, we have Sissy Spacek. Mm-hmm. who is an actress-singer and showbiz legend. She was nominated for an Academy Award for this role. She won eventually for The Coal Miner's Daughter. Very young, one of okay. the youngest Academy Award winners. Um, she's got BAFTA noms, Golden Globe noms, Emmys, a Grammy. Um, she's famous for Crimes of the Heart. And I know her recently from another Hulu adaptation of Stephen King, Castle Rock, which was kind of the multiverse of Stephen King blended together that wasn't the Dark Tower. Right. But she did give one of the greatest episodes of television in that kind of hit or miss show for some. Mm -hmm. Um, So check that out if you're a fan of Stephen King or Sissy Spacek. Uh, Recently passed, I wanted to mention this a few weeks ago, but I knew this was coming up in the tank. We just lost Piper Laurie, who plays Margaret White in this movie, Mm -hmm. Carrie's mom. And she also had an Academy Award nom for this role. Um, uh, the Hustlers and Children of a Lesser God, Days of Wine and Roses. She's featured on Twin Peaks, 
Um, she's just right. everywhere in this. Yeah. Uh, she's a BAFTA nom, a primetime Emmy Award winner, and Golden Globe Award winner. Uh, as I said, we just lost her a couple weeks ago on October 14th. Um, and Piper Laurie is interesting. She was given this role, but much like great actors, this was like kind of her return to cinema after a long break. Mm-hmm. And she thought it was a comedy she was in. She thought she was starring in a black comedy. Okay. And okay. I love viewing this film through this lens that is it comedy for her or is it verging just on psychotic enough that it could be considered a horror role? I mean, this is clearly the Jonathan role of the movie, Margaret Wright, which we'll get to. Uh, yes. Like, yeah. Anytime there's an ev- evangelist, uh, even uh, Evangelion. Evangelion, yes. What, you know what I'm saying? An evangelist in a movie, yes. a Bible thumping Christian. That's the role I want for to you. Play. That mm. that's my role. That that's what I can do. I could I could put Dan in a punishment closet with a Saint Sebastian photo, <laughs> and I can guilt him into believing. When we get to Midnight Mass, eventually, mm-hmm. you're gonna see one of the greatest roles that I could have ever played in my life. Of course. And in my mind, I did, Dan. So, Mm -hmm. there's no reason with me. By Piper Laurie, God bless, R.I.P. And was the uh, nomination deserved for both of these two? That's something I want you to think about. Okay. Because it's horror. Horror doesn't really get nommed that often. Especially at the Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah. Very true. But I also feel like... I don't know. Over the years, we've gotten some of like the best performances yeah. ever. Lately, from... Tony Collette and Hereditary. Yeah, great, great snub. Ellen Bernstein in The Exorcist. We'll get to that. It's in my notes. Yeah, no, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but like not only excellent performances in horror, but excellent performances by people who aren't sure what genre movie they're in. Like I feel like a lot of memorable, I don't know, like characters have come from the actor playing it. Yeah. Not oh, how of course. It was directed. Of, of course. So, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, you know, horror is something that has become. Much more at the forefront of pop culture as of late, I feel. Mm-hmm. We're in a golden age of horror, once again. Right. Yep. With works like The Nun and, <laughs> and Haunting in Venice and such. Oh No, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. But unironically, I think we are... Because uh, if anything, if anything, horror has generated more positive buzz than, oh, than yeah. superhero movies I... recently, so... <laughs> that was always the case for me, Dan. Well, yeah. obviously... I'd but... rather go see a bad horror than a good superhero movie. But recently, it has really shifted where, you know... Because superhero movies can be a little exhausting sometimes, but you never run out of good horror. Like, mm-hmm. there's tons of ways that you can scare people yeah. or creep them out that we haven't done yet. Yeah. So... And we keep pushing, because, like, Barbarian, uh, uh, Talk to Me. Yeah. We're going to get They Follow oh, soon. They Follow. Mm. So, yeah, lots of good stuff coming. Yep. Uh, next on our bill, we have Amy Irving as Sue Snell. She's an actress and singer, Academy Award nom for Yentl, another musical, mm-hmm. uh, starring Barbara Streisand. Obie Award for The Road to Mecca. Also got the Golden Raspberry Award for Honeysuckle Rose and nommed for the Golden Raspberry Award for Yentl. Okay. So that would have been an interesting dichotomy of two people winning, or a person winning the Golden Raspberry and the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember yeah. if that's ever happened. I mean, I would love to see that. And she reprised her role in the Rage Carry 2, which you know nothing about. It's kind of like my Blair Witch 2, Book of Secrets, yeah. <laughs> Book of Shadows. Even the same title format, yeah. I don't know why. We'll but, get there yeah. someday, I think, but a day down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, just know that. We have Nancy Allen as Chris Hargitson, a Golden Gold Award nom and Saturn Award nom, married to Palma for a short while and appears in several of his films, uh, Dressed to Kill, The Philadelphia Experiment, Robocop, and, you know, a personal favorite of ours, Poltergeist 3, the yes. one that's in the hotel <laughs> with Tandria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, 
I'll talk about the Poltergeist movies forever um, and ever. We gotta watch RoboCop at some point. I can bring yeah, RoboCop yeah. at and some I'll point. And I'll do Poltergeist, and we'll yeah. have a, a good little a little rant about that. Uh, we've got William Cat as Tommy Ross. He's a very nice boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> that Tommy Ross. One of his first roles, some trivia that I thought would get you. Dan, while this movie was being casted, a certain other film was being cast. A certain film by George Lucas. Oh. And um, I'll say that William Cat. He almost came up for a certain other role, a young Luke Skywalker. As did a few people, yeah. yeah. But he was in the running, and he got pulled for Carrie instead. So the future that would have been. Well, I think that the the whole thing with, with Luke was that Mark Hamill was, like, on, sleeping on his friend's couch, and then he got called in to, like, oh, like, hey, you want to go audition for this mm-hmm. Star Wars movie? And yeah. then he got the part over... I think his friend, but yeah, no. So it, it makes sense. And also the rumors in Hollywood that Carrie Fisher was also very close to getting Carrie. Okay. But we'll get to that. It's also in my notes. Um, I know William Cat from the film version of Pippin, which I know you see. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Steven Schwartz musical classic, join us. <laughs> I, I, I can't say. Oh, can't say I have. We'll but... get to that some Fosse. I'm trying to connect the dots here. But he's known best as Ralph Hinckley on The Greatest American Hero. That, which I've seen. Uh, I figured. <laughs> so... that, that's why I threw that in. I was like, oh, oh my better, God. Better throw Dan a roll. That's, yeah. I have seen that show. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 All right. that, is, that is a lost relic of history at uh, this point. Next we got PJ Souls, who's Norma. And right after this, she played Linda in John Carpenter's Halloween. Okay, so, yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, Private Benjamin, Jawbreaker, The Devil's Rejects. She's known as a scream queen in mm-hmm. the biz. Uh, my personal favorite, we've got Betty Buckley, actor-singer. Um, she plays Miss Collins in this film, or Miss Jarden, according to the book. I think they changed it to Miss Collins. And she's a Broadway legend. She's got Tony Awards. She's the OG Grizabella and Cats on Broadway. Mm-hmm. One of the original Sunset Boulevard, Norman Desmond, 17, 1776, Pippin, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, Hello, Dolly, and... She is known for slaying the role of Margaret White in the OG Broadway production of Carrie the Musical. Yes. So it's interesting that she carried on from the film. But as I said, that's a lot of details to put into one episode. Maybe one day we'll return to the musical. Yeah. I just love Betty Buckley. Well, you're really hyping up the badness of this thing. So That's why? Sinister- yeah. No, it's not bad because I was obsessed with it in high school oh, okay, for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so bad, it's good. Okay. In my opinion, I think it's one of the greatest. I don't think it deserved to flop. I would have seen it every day. I cannot fault you for that, considering yeah. my choices. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, um, and she took over the role after another Broadway legend, Barbara Cook, almost got decapita- decapitated in London during the first preview. But, okay. But we'll get to that some other day, as I said. Uh, we're going to watch some clips of that later. Uh, Betty Buckley's film roles include some favorites of ours, including The Happening, mm-hmm. uh, Split. On, on TV, she's known for Oz and Preacher. Okay. That she she chooses her TV roles well. She sticks more to acting now, mm-hmm. um, acting and singing, but a Broadway legend nonetheless. Okay. So keep an eye out for Betty Buckley. I love her, and I love her in this film, and I love her connection with Carrie. Next, we've got John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as Billy Nolan. Only his second film, and he started as a singer. Gained prominence from Saturday Night Fever, Grease, Pulp Fiction, Face Off. He's a three-time Academy Award nomination, uh, winner of the Golden Globe for Get Shorty, uh, known for American Crime Story and The People vs. O.J. Simpson, and Edna Turnblad and Hairspray. <laughs> Hairspray. <laughs> well, yeah, and Pulp Fiction, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, there's plenty 
of John Travolta. Oh, Tracy, what do you do? <laughs> Look who's talking. Yeah. There's yeah. so many fan favorites. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting to see a young John Travolta here. And Gotti. Oh, yeah, of course, Gotti. <laughs> His second time on the podcast. Yeah. Oof. And then I had to mention her, a legend. We've got a young Edie McClurg here. Okay. Who's everything as Helen Shires. Actress, comedian, she's in everything. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Flubber, the Master of Disguise. Okay. As Cherry Pie Man's victim. Okay. Like uh, Luigi's mom or whatever <laughs> in that one scene. I'll never forget. Cherry Pie Man. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you weren't there for that. That movie traumatized me. Mark Zebra Jr. brought that to this, and yeah. I haven't been the same since. You weren't turtle enough for the Turtle Club, I guess. I was yeah. not. Um, she's known for her voice acting credits as well. Um, the Secret of Nim, a okay. classic. Uh, the Little Mermaid, A Bug's Life, Cars, and Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. Even the clerk has been around forever. And once you see a picture of her, you'll know her. But here, she's just a baby with a baseball cap. Okay. And she had no lines, all improvised. And she did it. She made the worst, uh, the be- the best of the worst that was given to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so some facts. Uh, Carrie was the first of Stephen King's published novels, saved from the trash by his wife, Tabitha. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was working as a laundry clerk slash English teacher at that time. I think only 28, 26 years old. Uh, writing, didn't think that he was going to be successful at that throughout his first draft. And Tabitha, his wife, said, no, you really need to try to publish this. There's something here. I never knew that. So I, that I mean, is, that I'm is, an encyclopedia yeah. on Stephen King. So uh, 1974, so it only took two years to adapt his first novel. And King was only given uh, $2,500 for film rights at the time period. But he said it was a blessing. It was his first novel. He was appreciative just to have that mm-hmm. and like get it out into the public zeitgeist. And this is probably the film that cemented him as a horror writer mm-hmm. for everything. So it's like once you know Stephen King is attached to something... It all flowed forward, even though he was constantly writing. Definitely. Yep. Um, and he's quite generous. I love Stephen King as a human being. Um, he has short stories known as Dollar Babies that he'll give out to new filmmakers mm-hmm. for just a dollar. So right. he'll say, take my short stories, adapt it into film, just give me a dollar for it. Which is fun. Yeah. No, that's that's an all. I, I have heard of that. Yeah. That's a pretty awesome practice on his part, so... Uh, and then the film was eventually made, uh, Cohen was hired to screenwrite, and it only had a cheap $1.8 million budget at the time, which went slightly up. It was the 70s, it seemed expensive, but after all, it became a pop culture phenomenon. It definitely made back its gross oh, yeah. tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, many young actresses auditioned for the lead, including Melanie Griffith, Farrah Fawcett, and Linda Blair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sissy Spacek, who is 26-ish at the time, was persuaded by her husband, Jack Fisk, to audition. Uh, she was more of a singer-slash-overall set designer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, yeah, sure. The uh, role eventually came down to her and a girl named Betsy Slade, who I couldn't really find any information about online. But uh, Spacey, Spacek based out, backed out of a commercial she was booked for. Uh, she rubbed Vaseline in her hair, didn't wash, and showed up in a shrunken sailor suit for her screen test and was given the role, as I would do. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's how this podcast started, yeah. if anything. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, frequent musical collaborator with De Palma, Pino Dongino, uh, Donna Gio, composed the score, including two of his original pop score, s- songs and violin pieces, Born to Have It All. And I never dreamed someone like you could love someone like me are present and set in an atmospheric, heady 70s mood. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's known for its strings. We get some iconic Psycho-esque moments here. Right. Um, But it's a 70s score, nonetheless. It fits the wacky 
horror comedy thriller aspect of this film when they're good those 70s scores are yeah. for these horror movies are yeah i don't know it was like one after another just iconic well i so. just know if we ever do like a television series of our life and you like wrong me it's gonna be like the carry score in the yeah. background yeah. like building up slowly like that little violin um carry was a big box office and critical success with a box office of $33.8 million in just the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. So it made back its money a lot. Uh, still the highest rated Stephen King adaptation uh, as of now. Okay. I would give Dr. Sleep a little bit more love by Mike Flanagan, which yeah. we'll get to. Well, I love Dr. Sleep. And you know I do. We love but... Mike Flanagan, who's a frequent Stephen King collaborator mm-hmm. now. Now he is the master of Stephen King adaptations. Uh, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times stated the film was an absolutely spellbinding horror movie as well as an observant human portrait, giving it three and a half stars out of four. Uh, Quentin Tarantino placed Carrie at number eight in a list of his favorite films. In 2010 interview, King replied that he thought, although dated now, Carrie was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> which is rare for King to say about his own works. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't really like adaptations a la The Shining, which he's come around on. Uh, lately, he's more like, yeah, you know, that had more power, and we could see that there was bad in the good. Definitely. For everything. Uh, nevertheless, the film was not without its detractors. Andrew Saris of The Village Voice wrote, There are so few incidents that two extended sequences are rendered in slow motion as if to pad out the running time. That's all the quote I got. Uh, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Sun's Tribune gave the film two and a half stars out of four and called it a crude shocker with a little style. Uh, praising the strong performances, but opining that the movie falls apart during the climax, which he described as cr- crude and sloppy. Uh, begging the question, good movie or secret bad movie? Who knows? That's our judge. You know. Okay. That's for us to okay. decide. Uh, Carrie is one of the few horror films, The Exorcist, Misery, Black Swan, Rosemary's Baby, to be nominated for multiple Academy Awards. Uh, Spacek and Laurie both received nominations for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Awards, respectively. Uh, the film also won the grand prize at the uh, Avaria's Fantastic Film Festival. And Spacek was given the Best Actress Award uh, by the National Society of Film Critics. In 2008, Carrie was ranked number 86 on Empire's list of the 500 greatest movies of all time, which Mm -hmm. is a a big honor. Uh, The movie also ranked number 15 on the Entertainment Weekly uh, list of the 50 best high school movies. I mean, it's not wrong. Seems like a really niche list there. I don't know. Yeah, it's not incorrect. Movies that were in a high school that starred (laughs) someone covered in blood with a religious mother. Yes. Number 12. Yes. (laughs) Um, And number 46 on the American Film Institute's list of 100 greatest cinema thrills. Mm -hmm. And was ranked 8th for its ending sequence on Bravo's The 100 Scariest Movie Moments, which is truly the best list on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that list. Yeah. Uh, well, Bravo used to be good at those yeah. lists back in the day. <laughs> that oh, would be us. Yeah. We've got John and Dan from <laughs> Anime was not a mistake. <laughs> oh, yeah. We love this. Uh, Carrie started a franchise with The Rage 2, Carrie, or The Carrie 2, The Rage, a 2002 television film that drastically uh, changed the ending, a separate thing. Uh, 2013 remake, a rumored new remake in the works as of now. Okay. That we are allegedly getting soon. And of course, one of my core musical theater subject areas, Carry the Musical. But as I said multiple times, that's a story for a different day. Mm-hmm. And that's all the notes I have on this subject matter until we get into the plot where I peppered in some IMDb trivia facts and etc. potpourri for Very us good. to enjoy. Yes. Um, but Dan, before we begin, any initial thoughts on Brian De Palma's Carrie? 
I'm very excited to watch this. Very excited for this With episode. Me. Yes. <laughs> With uh, me. Because obviously this is, a, you know, a fave of yours. And it's not a fave I've heard you talk oh, yeah. about a I'm ton. Secret. <laughs> yeah. Obviously we reference the, uh, they're all going to laugh at you thing yes, yes. on a regular a, basis. A pivotal moment for Jonathan Kwiatkowski. <laughs> but I feel like you bring up things like Rosemary's Baby and Exorcist more often than yeah, this. Yeah. So it's cool to see another facet of your love for horror kind of exemplified mm-hmm, here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and again it is a movie that i have seen but i have never done like a deep dive like this into it and i've never tried to watch it in a more observant manner yes, so yes. i'm i'm excited to get into it yeah, yeah. so i guess uh i love this movie we'll get into that of course mm-hmm. why i love it remember to always think is it a horror movie is it a thriller did it deserve these noms is it a good movie is it a bad movie what would you change mm-hmm. has it aged well does it still fit the mold is it the best adaptation of the source material mm-hmm. i don't know things for us to consider as we're watching yeah. and i'll need you to fill in the source material stuff oh but... i know all about this book <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but i guess we have to go dan there's a prom we got to get you ready for oh boy <laughs> These are godless times, Dan Ryan, and I'll drink to that. (laughs) I'll get my tuxedo t-shirt. You know, a Twix does figure into this all. It's got a cookie crunch. Yeah, it does got a cookie crunch. Anyways, here we are. <laughs> An anime was not a mistake. Mistake. Here we are, huh? Yeah, we just watched uh, 1974's Carrie. 76's Carrie? I don't remember. 1976, you Sure, why not? I Brian got a fucking Twix in my mouth. Hold on. All right. yeah, no, we're going to keep this all in. I love this. Well, I would hope. Yeah. But yeah, we watched Carrie. And how did you enjoy it, Dan Ryan? Um, great movie, mm-hmm. one of the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. Um, and on this viewing, due to things you pointed out, yeah. I noticed many things that I had not noticed on previous, like things that I had taken or kind of accepted as fact within mm-hmm. this movie were proven wrong. So it was very insightful. Yeah, and I'm a carry master. Yeah, prom mm-hmm. king. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Pumpkin, yeah. Yeah, it's gone down to me, but I'm glad you enjoyed this. Um, And shall we get into the plot of this episode, then? Did we ever view this in our film class? No, but I feel like Ragazina would have given us this, and I would have known. We definitely... She made me do The Shining, which scared me. And then, like, got me on the right track. Maybe I was born this way, but... Not Carrie. Yeah, okay, uh, like, maybe we, maybe it was Halloween she had us yeah, watch. Yeah, we, we watched Halloween. Yeah. Because okay. I remember that watching there, and I have a better memory than you. Uh, yes, that's all true. Of, all of this movie. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but no, I, it, it, it really is, just speaking to some of those things that you mentioned, like the reviews that it got at the time, like, obviously, they were all very good, you know, for the most part. But there was that one that was like, oh, it, it really saves the scariness for, like, two scenes. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have this movie any other way. Mm. Like, it, it is better with 
you know, kind of the psychic outburst just happening at the end, mm-hmm. and the little tease is building up. With the same principle as, like, Jaws, kind yeah. of. Yeah. You know, it, I, I, I would not want an entire movie of, of you know, Carrie willing spooky stuff, because for the most part, it's like a real human story, and then it ends in tragedy, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how would you classify it? Horror, comedy, tragedy? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I would. I would classify it as. I would classify it as horror with like a tinge of very dark humor in it. Yeah. Because the between the mom and the other fellow classmates who kind of pull off like a cartoonish evilness sometimes, which we were discussing. You know, that's not out of the realm of possibility for teenagers. Um, plus the mom, it's like, okay, these are, like, exaggerated personalities, but I would say firmly horror, because, you know, you don't, I don't know if yeah. you walk away feeling good at the end of this movie. I would so. agree, this is a horror film, it's got some actors not knowing what movie they're in. Yeah. And that definitely lends the genre, but I definitely feel that this is a horror film, mm-hmm. through and through. Um, it's trying to be the best. Um, shall we get into the plot synopsis? Then? Certainly. Um, so we get some classic schoolyard volleyball, a la Us and Magnet. Yeah. yeah. Your experience days. Were you good at volleyball, Dan? I'm okay at volleyball. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was always, I was fine at that. People wanted me on their team. I was never picked last. <laughs> yeah, I, but I... I got good object permanence <laughs> from video games. I feel like we did stupid shit in our... Oh, we, we did play volleyball. We did, we, at Magnet, we, we did volleyball, we did golf. We did, uh, the rope climbing... With the, I didn't do that. No, the carabiner and the oh, well, I did fastening that. knots and yeah. stuff. We did that. We didn't do we didn't do rope climbing. There I was cheated a rope my ladder. way out of that pull C bottom slide, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, I, it feels like we did frisbee, but I know ultimate frisbee. Yeah, okay, we did yeah. for a time. Yeah. It was very well. I have a better memory than you, but sure, why not? I've compartmentalized that all the way, but... Oh, we'll get to that. We're bringing up the deep drenches of our high school trauma at this point. But, but yeah, so, and obviously, you know, the game point comes down to Miss Carrie White. Yeah. And, you know, they the other team sends the ball her way, and she fumbles it and, and drops it, and they lose. We get the iconic line, Carrie White eats shit. Yeah. Yep. Obviously, these girls were already making fun of her, but it's another excuse to be mean to her that day. Yeah, so, so featuring quite a cast of young gals, we got Sissy Spacek as the titular Carrie, hmm. Amy Irving as nice girl Sue Snell, Nancy Allen as schoolyard bitch Chris Hargison, and even a young Edie McClure that Dan pointed out. Is that... Yeah, it... Dan said, is that the one? Once I saw her, it's unmistakably the the, the secretary from Ferris Bueller's <laughs> Day Off, the... Uh, uh, they think he's a righteous dude, that mm-hmm. that lady. That's Clearly, yeah. yeah. Also some Broadway and Carrie Royally with Betty Buckley as the iconic gym teacher, Miss Collins. Uh, Buckley would go on to star as one of the biggest Broadway flops of all time in Carrie the Musical as Margaret White. I think this musical has always slapped, and if there was an OG filmed version of any quality, we'd be watching that instead, which we have a subpar filmed Broadway quality of it. Okay. That we'll be watching at some point. Which, maybe. like, people have, have held on to because history tried to, to bury... From the sound of it, yeah. history has tried to bury that. But mo- uh, I'll you know, that always play, remember but... it. Um, Betty Buckley was 28 at the time of filming, only two years older than Sissy Spacek. Mm-hmm. So, interesting to note. Did you think these teens seemed like teens? Yeah. 
I could buy it at some points. At some points, yeah. but some of the guys especially looked like late thirties as mm. the movie keeps going. I I didn't notice it with the like the gym teacher carried herself in such a way that it, it wasn't that noticeable. Um, but I guess compared to the ages of the other parents and stuff, like it it stands out. But yeah, yeah. So we get Nancy Allen and PJ Souls. Uh, who plays the students. Um, initially, PJ Souls was only cast for two weeks mm-hmm. at this time period. But after she hit Sissy Spacek over the head with a red baseball bat during the volleyball scene, Brian De Palma was like, I need you in this film. Wait, what? Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. PJ Souls hit Sp- Sissy Spacek mm-hmm. over the head with a red baseball bat. And Brian De Palma was like, I need you in this film. Are you, sure, are you sure the line isn't baseball cap? No, a baseball bat. And she, like, she okay. hit her over the head. <laughs> well, Sissy Spacek is, is, is durable, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And then Brian De Palma decided to keep her around for longer. It was like, sure, you could be a teenage bully. Well, she's, she stands out. Like, the, like that's the... All the bullies stand out, they I do. guess. Yeah. They, it does a good job of that. Like, yeah. they all have looks to them that are, like, you know, you You're you a baseball cap. A You're glasses. Yeah. You're blonde. Yes, exactly. Sure. But ironically, yeah, that's that's the case. Uh, but we get... You're John Travolta. Yeah. yeah. It's a carry, you dumb bitch. You eat shit. Carrie is supposed to be not attractive at all in the novel. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be fat, um, with a lot of um, acne scars going on here. But mm-hmm. we get Sissy Spacek instead. Yeah. Ew. is a complete <laughs> uggo. <laughs> I, not at all. Beautiful. You, you gotta suspend your disbelief. Yeah, we're going to get Hunter Schaefer in this new role, who's not an uggo at all, either. Yeah, no, once again, it's going to have to be... I wish they would have cast me as Carrie. I would have would have fit right <laughs> yeah, in. But how are you going to play every part? Oh, that's, I could uh... do it. In this movie, I could do it. Well, that's true. Post-COVID, with CGI, you could play all the roles CGI'd in, in yeah. like that volume stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not out of the question. Uh, we get the initial De Palma nymph scene with them bathing in the shower. And what mm-hmm. did you think of this, Dan? Gotta ask Dan about young youths bathing in a shower. They were 27 at the time. Well, I I thought that the vibe with it was that there's, like, intimacy and they're all close and happy and frolicking. And then Carrie is singled out as, like, the person who's alone in the background. Mm. I thought it was very voyeuristic. It's supposed to be, like, you're watching these these youths bathe. Yeah, no, that too. That too. But... Yeah, I mean, it's... But there's... You pointed out other shots where this movie does that, and I feel like that's... Well, I, don't, I don't, actually, I don't, don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I was hoping if you had explanations for some of this stuff. I mean, but... the audience was upset at the time. It's like, oh, we've got these teenage girls that aren't actually teenagers bathing in front of us. Yeah. With complete nudity. But it's like the intimacy of the locker room. I think it's voyeurism mm-hmm. that De Palma's trying to champion here. It's like we're watching through the, the camera, through them. Yeah. Yeah, trying to see what's going on. I, I would all, only thing I would agree on is the boys' locker room at Magnet was not like this. No, <laughs> it was not the playful fun that we see. Certainly not. No, no. With these female youths <laughs> going like, ha, ha, ha. how co- fun it is to be it, naked. Because all these like in all these like seventies and eighties movies, that, like the gym, because they had money back then, was like gigantic with mm. like huge. Like we had, we had a cube. We had like a cube had a that big, could hold ten. We people. had a big gym when we went to no, no, the locker yeah. room, oh, and yeah, then yeah. the the gym was another story. But mm-hmm. it was yeah, there was no there's no frolicking there. So yeah, 
Uh, suddenly blood, Carrie screams for help, thinking that she is dying, unaware that she is menstruating, like all the other girls. Yes. And, you know, this is a plot point featured heavy, heavily in Stephen King. It's like the big one that drove him on. Mm-hmm. And, like, the girl doesn't know about her menstruation. And how do you feel about that, Dan? I just want to know. Like, Well, I guess in terms, I mean, obviously in terms of, like, context clues... As the gym teacher emphasizes after the fact, it's like, oh, her mom never even, yeah. like, no one at home told her that this was going to happen. Uh, they were, like, hiding it from her. And as a guy, I cannot speak to that. Yeah. But as would, two boys, we enjoy being boys. It would be, it would be traumatic. Especially, you know, if you're a teenager and it happens in front of your peers like that, like, that would be, it was, it would be like the perfect storm of... Trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So... You feel for her in that moment. Yep. Carrie begs for help, but the other girls mock her, insisting she plug it up, plug it up. Yeah, yeah. They're throwing the the stack of white linen towels at yeah. her uh, again. Heavily featured, wonderful stock. Yeah, yeah. We we didn't have towels. No. no, no yeah, nothing. Uh, Sissy Spacek was asked or asked Brian De Palma how he wanted her to react, and when Carrie first realizes that she is bleeding uh, in the showers at the start, De Palma told her, "It's like you've been hit by a Mack truck." Mm-hmm. Uh, Spacek talked to her husband, Jack Fisk, art director, who as a child had been run over by a car, and that's where she received her inspiration from this scene. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or he saw a child being run over by a car looking at Christmas lights, which would be the way I go. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, but I, I could see how she's playing it, because she kind of, like, disassociates for a second, and then yeah. the gym teacher has to, you know... And remind her... Shake her back into reality. Remind you, she's like 27, 26 here. Yes. And only 17 in the novel. Yes. So, it's an age difference going on here. Oh, yeah. That she's acting through. Uh, Miss Collins asks Sue what she's doing and tries to help Carrie, only managing to calm her down with a slap. In my day, we couldn't slap the students, Dan. But, yeah, Miss Collins emerges here as like... Betty Buckley. The one person who's kind of looking out for... Carrie from the start. Mm. Other people come around, kind of, but, you know, Miss Collins is definitely there as, like, the one positive figure Yeah, at the beginning. Yep. After some violent strings, a light bulb explodes, mm-hmm. and we get, like, an initial thought on Carrie's supernatural powers going yes. on here. Um, Carrie doesn't know. Principal Morton is skeeved out by the feminine form and constantly misnames Carrie. Mm-hmm. Which is like a thing like, oh, is that Danny White? <laughs> Connie White, yeah. Yeah. And Dan would play Carrie in this readaptation that we Without do. a doubt, I yeah, would. But yeah, and I'd be every other character. But it would be, like, because she's clearly been forgotten about by the system here. Like, yeah. they don't even bother to remember her name. The, like, the principal doesn't have it written down anywhere. He's like, you know, fuck it, what should we do? Should we send Are her home? Are you Cassie? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, it, and, and once again, the gym teacher is... You know, Miss Collins is the only one. Yeah. So, like, no, no, no. Like, it, it's strange that she didn't know to expect this. So, it's probably for the best that she just goes home for the day. Mm-hmm. And and she gives her a free pass from Jim for yeah. the rest of the week. And also, after being misnamed, she flips an ashtray over. Yeah. And everyone's freaked out. Because there's a lot of smoking. Everyone's smoking. The principal has a pipe. It's the 70s. Yeah, he's yeah. smoking in the principal's office. Gym teacher has a cigarette. Like, everyone... 
smoking. So, uh, so according to Stephen King, Carrie is based on the composite of two girls uh, while attending grade school and high school during his career. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of one of them, he recalled she was a very peculiar girl who came with a very peculiar family. Her mother wasn't a religious nut like the mother in Carrie. She was a game uh, nut sweepstakes winner uh, who had subscribed to magazines for people to be entered into contests. The girl had one change of clothes the entire school year, and the other kids made fun of her. Okay. So. Okay. Do you know? Stephen King writing from what he knows. Yeah. And I could see that shifting into, if you want to get into Supernatural, you switch that to, like, a religious fervor. Like, I could... It it makes sense. I think he had also a few religious nuts as, like fellow parents when yes. he was a teacher as i've experienced as well and me too i mean yeah. i've had two girls hold hands during a scene and that got me it's like they wanted to kill me dan yeah yeah it was rough yeah romeo and juliet i did with two girls instead of a guy and a girl and it was the end of the world I, in Newark, new well, jersey you, you come from a more religious background than i'm I catholic do, yeah i'm not I don't know about protestant is that it, a religion if for well for for comedy purposes that's what I am but I'm not really anything but still I mean obviously we're from Jersey yeah and there's a lot of Catholicism here so it's it's you know you 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 kind of get a sense of other people's tradition and then later in life I was exposed to some heavy religion and it's mm. it, it can be traumatizing yeah it yeah. can be yeah. Uh, we get an iconic scene of annoying kid on the bike serpentining between trees. Yeah, didn't know what his deal was. And <laughs> I have to say, when he says, Creepy Carrie, Creepy Carrie, that's Betty Buckley doing the voiceover. Yeah, she ADR'd it in. Yes, yeah. love that. Um, legend. Uh, Piper Laurie then playing Margaret White visiting homes and selling the Bible and the good word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. This would be the me role of this movie, without anyone's doubt. It, it, no, it, without give a, me some um, uh, uh, Lucy Laduca shoes mm-hmm. and, and Brian, a big cloak, and I'll be ready to go. I'll be ready to do this at a heartbeat. But I, I do really like this scene upon a repeat viewing because it's kind of like the because it's the Snell house, right? Yeah. So Mrs. Snell is like, oh god, it's it's uh, you know, it's <laughs> very Susan Ryan. Oh god, it's Jonathan. Come yeah, it's Mrs. Me again. White again. Yeah, and you kind of get the sense that even within the parents' generation, the white family is, yeah, like, the... been around for a while. Like, they're not well-liked at all. So mm-hmm. it's, it's you know... The fact that she has to... She's going around to a neighborhood that she... You know, a community that she lives in to sell more Bibles is probably, like, she does this a lot. Yeah. She just makes the rounds and guilts people into giving her money. So. Yep. So we get Piper Laurie as a queen icon returned from a long absence of film uh, to the role that she insisted was a screwball comedy. Mm-hmm. And Dan, I have to ask you initially, how do you think Piper Laurie played this role? Did you think she was in a comedy? Did you think she was in a horror movie? No. I, I would I would not think that she was going for comedy. I think I would think that she was going for, like, manic and okay. hammy. All right. So yeah, very Jonathan Kwiatkowski, yeah. Like, yeah. You give me this role, I'll try my best in it, but... Like, you, like, like going theatrical with it, but yeah. I, at no point did I think she was overplaying her hand or All anything, right. so... Okay, interesting, though. Uh, she's a door-to-door Christian, calling upon Sue's mom, selling her own stricter version of the Bible and scripture. Yes. <laughs> uh, these are godless times, Mrs. Snell. I'll drink to that. Iconic line. Yeah, you know, and then uh, Snell gives her, like, ten bucks yep. to, to just go away. Yeah. Uh, Sue Snell and her mother, Eleanor, are played by real-life daughter and mother, Amy Irving, and Priscilla Pointer. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a cool dynamic, even though there are only, like, two scenes at the in the middle and the end. Yes. 
Um, but I thought that was a very fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's like cast a mother and her daughter as actual characters in this film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very cool. Um, I pray you find Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Piper Laurie has also thought that the character Michael Laurie, uh, no, sorry, Margaret White, uh, was so over the top that the film had to be a comedy. So, as I mentioned before, she's like, oh, I'm in a comedy film. Okay, so that was her reading of, like, the material. Then, yeah, we so. get two competing genres. Brian De Palma had to uh, take her to the side and personally tell her that it was a horror film and not a black comedy. Because after, like, every line, she would laugh. She'd be like, this dialogue doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. as a normal person. Uh, to me, it doesn't show, but uh, I, it, I... I don't know. That probably elevates the role a little bit i love that it's like you give me a script and i'm like oh this is a horror i'm gonna play it as a comedy because she's like other world like she doesn't exist in the same realm as everyone else so it it works i mean for me she does come across a bit serious in this too Mm -hmm. um i know a lot of people think that she's comedic with some of her line deliveries but that could be like the just jesus jesusisms of it all yeah when when she starts going into like the preacher voice it it pushes that that, but it's not another question we ask is why everyone is southern when it's supposed to take place in maine and my argument would be just to convey the small town thing i think that that's like something that people just associate yeah you know with a small town i i want to say that some movies like they lean into that at this point Mm. like even when like halloween was pretending to be like in Pennsylvania in or Pen- whatever. But it's like obviously California. Yeah. It's stuff like that. They they yeah. they like to think that this is what small town America is. So yeah. uh so the whites live in this busted religiously iconographied uh home. Uh surprised they even have a telephone, some old Hollywood melodrama stings we get while we're here. Uh, Margaret receives a phone call about the day's events and beckons Carrie to her. Dan, come here. Dan Cohen pray. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, there's a in the dining room, we should note, there's a giant Last Supper painting. Which I would have. This is my dream home. And the way that the entryway to the dining room is framed, it's like the it's like a church with archways. Like mm-hmm. there's like a like a big yeah. archway and then two on the side that yeah. are the shelves. Yeah. And it's so when you know, Carrie's mom is standing in it. It looks like she's at, like, a church altar, mm-hmm. kind of. So Margaret tells Carrie, you're a woman now. Slap. We get another slap. Iconic slap. Mm-hmm. In this film, uh, clearly hung up about the day's events and beckons Carrie to her. You're a woman now. Slap. Um, uh, of a Eve's original sin business. Um, apparently, Sissy Spacek didn't wash for weeks on the set to get into character. Okay. So that's just how she looked unwashed. That's not the most absurd character actor thing yeah Yeah. it it works i guess yeah we get eve was weak carrie is shoved into her punishment prayer closet for her sins and margaret raves on the outside um when sissy spacek was preparing for her character she isolated herself from the rest of cast and crew Mm -hmm. and she insisted upon not seeing them just to blend in the character Mm -hmm. Uh, she decorated her dressing room with heavy religious iconography and studied gustav dore's illustrated bible she studied the body language of people being stoned for their sins stating that every scene that she ended would be ended in one of those positions that is very cool okay yeah acting dan the world of acting you've opened you know, my eyes done, to... I would have done that with my hands posed in such a way and but you would have known in this punishment closet you promised me biblical oh, lore it's coming it's coming about creepy statues yeah so we get creepy Jimus Jesus Jimus 
creepy Jesus imagery while the glowing eyes. Um, as a true scholar of saints, mm-hmm. this is not Jesus, Stan. It's Saint Sebastian, one of our youngest martyrs. Okay. Who was uh, arrowed to death for his sins. I have heard of Saint Sebastian. You yeah. said I wasn't going to, but I have well, heard of as him. As a Protestant, I don't know what religion you... <laughs> But, fucking part of, but, but okay. this is this is one of the most effectively creepy and off-putting things. Everyone in the, thinks in the, it's Jesus, though, but it's not. It's Saint Sebastian, so you can tell your friends when they're watching is, Carrie. It is a very large doll with glow in the dark eyes, glow in the dark yeah. eyes, and like frizzed out hair, and it's just it. It is one of the most unsettling you know, freeze frames that you can get from this movie. So Carrie cries, rough life kid. Sorry about that. We get like the Dan Jonathan apology scene with like, I'm sorry, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah. When you're at your sewing machine, go to your bed. Yeah. You're at your sewing machine, humming uh, Lady Gaga songs or something. And yeah, I want your loving. I want your revenge. (laughs) But Carrie, she goes back up to her her room. Yeah. Her creepy room with the Jesus on the wall, which I'm like, oh, that's fine. That's lovely. Looking down at her on her bed. Jesus on the wall. I'll never masturbate again. (laughs) But she has like a twinge of anger and her mirror shatters. Yeah. And then Margaret White's like, what you doing in there? (laughs) Let me in. Come in, mama. Seemingly for a second, she's holding the door shut with her her abilities. But until, you know, she relents and the mom's able to come in. But then she's pretending to be praying. Mm -hmm. And the mom doesn't notice the mirror right away. Nothing out of the ordinary here. Yeah. Uh, Back in school, poetry class with O.G. Pippin and great American hero, William Catt. What do you think of Tommy Ross? Is he a very nice boy, Dan? Every other viewing I've given this movie, I assumed that he was definitely in on the plot. But now, knowing that he's not... He's not. He's he's a very nice boy. He is a very nice boy. However, as someone who saw most of Greatest American Hero, that's all I could see. Uh, Uh, His... His hair was severely trimmed down for that role, but he still has the iconic blonde, you know, perm in Mm. that. Uh, But... But... In that show, he plays, like, a dorky science teacher who becomes a superhero. And I'm like, you know, this William Cat's gonna go on to big things. Mm. But I could also picture him as Luke. Yeah? Because he's awkward. It could happen in an alternate timeline. And I think one of the reasons why I never was sure in previous viewings if he was part of the plan is because he's a very, like... He's a very nice boy. He's a very nice boy. (laughs) He's, like bashful and just has trouble explaining himself and yeah. he's like you son of a bitch what did you say oh my stomach has a hitch yeah when he's like <laughs> confronted about things repeatedly in the movie if he's confronted about something he like laughs it off and you know doesn't mm-hmm. make eye contact mm-hmm. and so it he does end up being a nice boy yeah yeah um although carrie offers beautiful criticism the teacher's like oh beautiful that would hardly be considered a criticism carrie and everyone laughs at her He's like, fuck all. Like, America the Beautiful? Like, yeah. like this this very, uh, you know, pushy professor with his big bow tie. Yeah. Uh, and Tommy clearly is more artistic than most jocks. He's got a sensitive side. Yeah. Uh, Miss Collins chastises the girls in class for bullying Carrie. Carrie White eats shit. We get that in, like, letters on, like, the gymnasium. Someone graffitied it onto yeah. the door. Um. Chris is resident bitch. Choke on that gum for all I care. Mm-hmm. Um, wish we could talk about the kids like this again. Y'all were real shitty. Uh, prom might be distracting you. Chris is taking Billy Nolan. Sue is going with Tommy Ross. And Miss Coley- Miss Collins wanted to suspend the kids and refuse them their prom. But they're going to have a week's detention instead. With Spending her, less yeah. an hour, Less than an hour with me after school. 
in order to do physical education. And, and, if, is, and if you cheat on this, you'll be um, ostracized from the prom. Yeah, and, and and it is like a like an effective like chewing out scene because she mm-hmm. talks that like she's like oh and uh, like you know I figured the only punishment would be to ban you guys from the prom because that would intrude on your it world. would it and, would and, and like as actual teenagers as an actual teacher in my previous life it would that yeah. would affect them and Fer- the Ferris Bueller lady is like on the verge of tears <laughs> Sue is obviously upset Edie McClurg Edie McClurg <laughs> and, and Chris but Chris remains angry yeah. she, she's like defiant about yeah. it I won't be doing this um, but y'all were really shitty, prom might be distracting you, Chris is taking Billy Nolan, uh, Sue is going with Tommy Ross, suspend the kids, um, it's only less than one hour a day for this punishment, so yeah. I think we could be easily able to survive this. And it's, it's with the gym teacher, and they gotta do, like, exercises and stuff. So then we got the first of the weird 70 scores for exercising, mm-hmm. like, it's in the background here. Um, in a 2010 interview with the AV Club, PJ Souls said that Steven Spielberg often came to the set at Brian De Palma's invitation because De Palma told him that there was a lot of cute girls there. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, Souls said that Spielberg asked her out, uh, and as along with most of the women on the set, on Carrie. It tracks for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Souls included, and Amy Irving was the only one who accepted um, Irving and Spielberg were married from 1985 to 1989. Before Billy from Temple of Doom, I assume? Yeah. Or, okay, And yeah. they had one son together. Uh, we get Edie McClurg, who played Helen, originally had no dialogue in any part of the film, so she decided to improvise instead and invented her own lines. Okay. This resulted in everything we see Helen say in the film being completely made up by the actress, with Brian De Palma's blessing, naturally. So, mm-hmm. very good for her. We yeah. like that, that, but also we see that Spielberg was like, mm, very young girls. Mm. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. Which, which ladies humping director. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sadly, sadly tracks. Yeah. Mm. I'd I... love to keep that in to destroy dance heroes. Yeah. Uh, fucking Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood people. I, yeah, if anything, yeah, <laughs> I'm not the one who Babylon. brought Babylon. So, mm. You know, I, I I admire George Lucas, but he's out of the system. He's he's uh Yeah. He's over there working on his, his robot puppets and at at this time. Uh. Um but oh, what was I gonna say? Mm-hmm. But uh Chris in, in the midst of these exercises yes. gets very angry. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. We gotta band together. You could you can shut take these push ups and shove them up your and a- Betty Buckley's like Oh no you you're out of the prom, she, Chris! No, she smacks her. She yeah. smacks Chris. And I'll have you know during this trivia, that's an actual smack that Brian De Palma wanted over 30 times. Wow. So Betty Buckley is smacking the shit out of this girl. Yeah, yeah. Which I love. I'd love to be smacked. I love the attention it gave me. Again, for the 70s, that was... I, I was born make, in the wrong era. We I think I could have these... been easily an actress in the 70s. You want to smack me? Sure, go ahead. I, I know PJ Souls ended up being in a lot of other B yeah. horror movies. She's so a, a lot of these queen. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Carrie is doing some supernatural research. Lots of books on the subject in the high school, a la Dan Ryan. Yeah. Who can't read. She's but, doing spooky research. Yep. Uh, as I said before, George Lucas and Brian De Palma held the joint audition for Carrie and Star Wars episode for A New Hope. Which it wasn't back then, it was just Star Wars. Uh, there is a long-standing rumor that originally Sissy Spacek was cast as Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher as Carrie. 
you know, so they swapped roles during that point. Mm -hmm. But when Fisher refused to appear in nude scenes and Spacek was willing to do them, they switched parts. Uh, However, Fisher refuted the story in Premiere magazine calling um, The Force Wasn't With Them about actors who auditioned unsuccessfully for Star Wars. Uh, The article quoted Fisher... Uh, saying, not only do I love being nude, I would have been nude then, but anyway, it's total bullshit. Um, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, Carrie Fisher would, wouldn't, she, she doesn't, like, hold back on stuff like that. Like, she, like, if, I'm saying in terms, if they were, like, lying about her, she's not going to stand for that shit. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know, maybe it just came down to, you know, Sissy Spacek. It would have just, just been an interesting timeline for me if things swapped. It would have been, you know, yeah. We wouldn't have known, but here we are. Yeah. Maybe in an alternate timeline, it would have happened. It, it, well, yeah, and then again, the other guy is Luke. Yeah. Was, was, that, that's a lot more... <laughs> Prevalent. Envisionable, yeah. yeah. Um, so Chris Fowles revenge and refuses detention, as you said. Stick him up your ass, Collins. Dex her. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian De Palma wanted Bailey Buckley to really slap Nancy Allen because Allen wouldn't get the reaction De Palma wanted. Beckley, uh, Buckley ended up slapping her as many as 30 times. Right. As I said. Um, all the other girls tell Chris to shut up. This isn't over. No prom, Chris. We get telekinesis. Tommy meets with Sue after this detention. Sue wants Tommy to take Carrie to prom. Elsewhere, Chris is living a life of sin with young John Travolta as Billy. Mm-hmm. And John Travolta auditioned on a lunch break after filming Welcome Back, Cotter in 1975. <laughs> he showed up to his audition, still dressed as Vinnie Bar- uh, Barbino, um, drinking and driving, just wants some sex. Uh, don't call me stupid shit. So, like, what did you feel about John Travolta in this role? He's here. He's beaten his his lover. He's he's here. He's drinking a, a PBR while he's driving. Yeah. Uh, you know, which which Nate and Euphoria would go on to do as well. Do a much greater extreme. Yep. Um, I don't know. There's not a lot to say about it. Again, it feels like he's forcing like a like a southern accent again. Yeah. And another. That, I don't know that people were all Southern. And it takes me out, like, slightly, because at, at certain points, John Travolta, like, cracks with that accent, yeah. and it's it's a little We noticeable. get some Edward Turnblatt in here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Tracy. So, it, it it's strange, but he doesn't do... You know, he does some, some bad shit later on, but I, I don't know. In this intro scene, I'm not sure what to think, except that Chris, likes is into him yeah. and is seemingly into you know him being a scumbag so Mm -hmm. that's which which johnny or whatever his name is says like oh you're into me because i'm an an angry idiot (laughs) that's that's it when we all be dan uh tommy agrees to take carrie to prom a sexy time in the car with chris and billy more slapping is involved Mm -hmm. uh chris is looking for favors through fellatio Mm -hmm. so we got like john travolta being blowjobbed Yes, in the way that these scenes are kind of... I never realized that they were being, like, juxtaposed with each other. Like, I thought mm. it was I thought it was concurrent. This scheme is coming together by uh, Sue Snell and uh, Chris. Yeah. But, in fact, they are separate. No. Like, it is just a... Sue's the good girl, yeah. and Chris is the bad girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Allen, who played Chris, claims that she never realized her character was going to be so evil until she saw the finished film. Mm. Uh, she thought she and John Travolta were playing comedic relief. Uh, that, that could be a you move, too. Like, I, I didn't. I would love that. When I gave that blowjob, I thought that would be comedic. I was I was playing her as the love when of the When I scam. said Dan Ryan eats shit, I didn't mean it. 
Even though I think Dan Ryan eats shit. Uh, so Carrie runs into Tommy at the library. Uh, wait to go to prom with me, or, or want to go to prom with me? Uh, like it'd be sus to. Uh, Miss Collins finds Carrie in the bathroom. Maybe he meant it. So we get like this whole Jonathan Dan scene where she's like rolling the, down in her knee socks. And yeah. It's like, hey, Carrie, He's who like, asked you to prom? You're beautiful. Like here, if we style your hair like this, it'll be good. like she's very clearly. And and sweetly trying to hype Carrie up like yeah. oh some like a boy asked you like that's fantastic uh-huh. you, you you have a chance to you can get dressed up and have a good time yeah but then she's like immediately we transition to the scene where she's interrogating Tommy and Sue yes going like what are you doing here Carrie clearly cares about this like you need to stop this you you're, yeah. Sue you're not allowed to go to prom and Sue's like oh well it doesn't matter who I invite to prom or who I ask Tommy to invite to prom yeah. And again, in previous viewings, the way that the two of them play this scene, it, it was, like, convincing enough to me where they, they're they trying to hide something. But in reality, they're, not, they're just awkward no, about it. Like she's, they're, just, she's just a good girl. Like Sue, he's a nice boy. Sue is attempting to make amends for something, you know, bad that she's done. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, make like, it's a legitimate, if not awkward, attempt. And Tommy is going along with it because he cares about Sue. Yeah. Um, but they are not, they do not have bad intentions. Uh, so Billy and Chris, the more resident toughie, stop by the neighborhood abattoir. Is that the... The, the pig slaughtering the, house, yeah, Dan. With the big, the pig never, paintings. Never picked up a book, have you, Dan? <laughs> yeah, you All don't right. know what abattoir is. I'm so. sure abattoir is a very common... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I- Interesting. I- but, but the point is, there's like a lot of... <laughs> a little vocab word you can use in your, your normal parlance. Yeah, if now. I ever have to reference... <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, what did Jonathan say about this? It's an abattoir. But it's a very weirdly... To its... To it, its benefit yeah. weirdly shot scene because as they're approaching the abattoir <laughs> on its walls it has like paintings of pigs happily living on a pasture and this is like pasture. an actual thing that still exists nowadays it's like okay, a very yeah. iconic moment wherever this film is set I don't know but it's like how that abattoir is set up like yeah. happy pigs on a, like, a bright blue pig, sky yeah, yeah. and then you know and then they get into the actual compound itself mm-hmm. and, and you know the pigs are in pens and stuff yeah uh, so just getting some pig's blood for a pig, Dan. Pig's blood for a pig. And off camera, uh, John Travolta's character kills get, a pig. And says, get her done. Because the other bullies end up getting squeamish about yeah, it, but he, really he ends that. up going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, bashing the pig's brains in, uh, non-menacing dinner at the White House. Carrie wants to fit in, got invited to prom by Tommy Ross. Uh, we get, like, some toss water in the face lines yeah. as they're eating dinner over that. Um, go to your closet. He's a nice boy. Margaret forbids it. And Carrie slams the windows shut. All in, the windows. Yeah. In the original novel, it's supposed to be, like, a rock storm. Mm-hmm. Like, when she was born, there were, like, rocks that were hitting the house. Mm-hmm. And then during this, it's, like, a callback to that. She's like, I'm upset with you, Mama. Rocks are going to pelt the house. Yeah. So it's like only hailing rocks on their home. But Carrie asserts herself and she's like, I'm going to prom. Yeah. He's a nice boy. Yeah. Uh, Margaret is convinced she's a witch of the devil. And yeah. like, this is the Jonathan acting scene. It's like, sit down, mama. Well, yeah. And then she drops Mama's a U like, line, which is like, do, do not suffer a, a, the life of a witch. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. so she's. That's a very iconic Broadway line too, which mm-hmm. we'll get to one day where Barbara Cook's like, I invented that line. I was like, no, you didn't because that's in the movie. <laughs> so... Thank you very much, yeah. Barbara Cook. You'll know from Thumbelina as the mom and Thumbelina. But it, it you know, <laughs> got to piece it together somehow. 
but it is, uh, yeah, so she she intends on going. Yeah, and Chris and Tommy jerry-rig a bucket of pig's blood in the rafters of the school gym. Mm-hmm. And we get, like, the Jonathan Dan scene, like, what are you doing? Calm down, licking my fingers. Yeah. It's like, oh, you gotta hang it the right way. And then the other bullies are putting their parts of the plan. Like, the one guy who I could probably play if I had to, mm. uh, the big bully with the red hat, is like, oh, I'll collect, you know, I really want to volunteer for the prom. Yeah. And he, like, pushes the nerd into giving him the job of collecting the ballots yeah. for prom king and queen. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know, okay, maybe just show up at 6.30 to help with prep. He's like, no, no, no I'm going to roll in at 8. And he <laughs> just steamrolls the kid into letting him. But yeah. they're... The different parts of it are coming together yep. for this plan. Uh, at this point, we get the second weird fashion montage with the boys trying on tuxedos. How did you feel about that? Very weird. And it was there, a 70s montage, yeah. There's a moment where it speeds up, like yeah. it undercranks yeah, for a it's second. Yeah, like Benny Hill for a second. Like, because the, the, the short guy is going over this whole thing about, hey, like, because for some reason he has, like, a New Jersey accent, mm-hmm. so he's like, hey, you gotta wear a tux, because you you're know, going to a thing. if you would have worn a tux, I wouldn't have taken you to the prom. Yeah, like, are you gonna take me to the prom? Not yeah. with those ruffles, wow, I ain't. Yeah. And, it, and it, like, undercranks, and it goes, like, like uh-huh. for a second I don't know why it was 70s Dan it was a different time Brian but, De Palma doesn't know why either but two of the guys get their tuxes and then the third guy who's not into prom stuff got a tuxedo t-shirt yep yes uh, Carrie gets ready for the prom red I might not have been red it's pink mom mm-hmm. <laughs> so we get that iconic scene Carrie so, made her own dress too yeah uh, Carrie's prom dress is a light pink satin in the book it's made of red velvet which is more of like the color of sin mm-hmm. of a strumpet yeah, as you would there. say, yeah. Um, this explains Piper Laurie's line, Red, I should have known it but bread. When Piper Laurie's like, I'm not seeing what you're actually wearing. <laughs> but this is basically like, it's pink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, why not? Um, but whatever. Um, I could see uh, your dirty pillows. An iconic line that I always say to Dan Ryan. Yeah. Whenever he comes over, I can see his dirty pillows. A euphemism for boobs that yeah. is like been a recurring thing in lots of movies yeah, and shows and margaret is strongly against this margaret is hitting herself using the jonathan guilt technique like oh you shan't be going to that prom ah, 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 stop hitting yourself jonathan and then carrie like psychically slams her down onto the bed <laughs> yeah great acting uh, i would love that role she, she, Ooh, i'm like, on a bed she does that twice because tommy shows up and then she like psychically holds her mom down and she's like you don't move until i come home and like i'll the be line, early they're all gonna laugh at you they're all gonna laugh at you they're all gonna laugh at you uh carrie and tommy go to prom anyway prom is in full swing uh some of the warm-up to carrie and sue sneaks out to see if their plan is working so mm-hmm. like you know while while they're there like sue is like eating dinner with her family mm-hmm uh, she says, I'm actually going to go out, and she sneaks into prom. Yeah, they're both there spying on things for their own separate plans. Sue is making sure that it's it's going nicely for, yeah. for Carrie. And then Chris is doing the opposite. She's scheming. She's under the stage. Yep. Uh, Miss Collins checks in on Carrie uh, with a very like iconic moment that's like, Oh, Carrie, you look beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's dating you. Your dreams are coming true. I once dated my, my basketball friend. Yeah, it's like, you will remember this night forever yep uh, and we have to say dan I, I mean i hate to interrupt but you know i was prom king you were yeah and <laughs> and you weren't prom anything i wasn't prom anything so i uh, how could you relate to this film well no, it was beautiful i could have been killed by a bucket <laughs> I, yeah 
but I guess your votes weren't cast. I don't then. know. I, uh, I I don't relate to the the magic of prom. Obviously, I do. Uh, you do. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> we, we, if we can conjure the it's mental the image, I, I have the prom king crown in the other room. You want me to bring it out? If I'll we, bring it out right if, now if for the listeners. If we can conjure your, I, part, I can honestly bring it out. I can run through that door and bring it out for you. You don't need to bring it out. They can't see, but, oh, the, but I got it. We can conjure the mental image of your cartoon avatar and the yeah. crown with the yeah, spotlights. I did that. On I rigged you. the votes. Um, and uh, but but yeah. So it's it's again. It's it's kind of like the last sweet scene from mrs collins like like a go and enjoy it like you don't have to be so afraid you can relax a little and you can enjoy yourself here and then that's when i think tommy finally convinces her to dance after that yeah and he's like if you can hang out we can hang out after prom as well yeah like go somewhere to eat or like to a bar somewhere yeah and carrie's like oh jesus and he's like oh jesus yeah and he's he's cute it is fun it's a fun little romantic relationship between them i actually buy it here no i do and he's he's making attempts to become like more relaxed around her because he's like oh if i if i ever see you hug a a, a dude like that i'm gonna be angry because she hugs mrs collins so he's he's attempting to joke around and lighten the mood yeah and everything and then they they dance together they dance it's cute the two kiss there's a spinning a lot which they're on like a revolving stage during the scene mm-hmm. which brian De Palma, they're spinning far too fast yes it's for, very fast for people being dancing it's like together. sonic yeah. fast yeah yeah it's a little bit too much but then we're voting for prom king and queen uh carrie and tommy's names are on the ballot uh he says like you're beautiful like we should vote for ourselves and that's yeah. like the main crux is like they win by one vote for voting for themselves okay i did i did not know that either yeah okay um, to the devil of false modesty, so we get like some religious meta, meta game going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret is pacing at home, cutting veggies. Me, me, me with Dan returning home from prom. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have like a butcher cleaver yeah. with one carrot, and then yeah. you're just hitting the the cutting board. So, and then crew, Chris's crew is taking care of the ballots. Mm-hmm. It's rigged. So we get like this iconic scene, like let me ca- let me take your ballots and then drop them behind her and kick them, yeah, into like wherever the ballots are being counted, framing it so that Carrie that's how wins. I would like to imagine that I'd like to one prom, yeah, 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 I guess. I, I, I mean, the greater, the lesser evil one that night. Yeah, I voted for you. So, oh, you did? I did. Interesting. All these years, it comes out. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, yeah. You, if only you, I could go back. I vote. Yep. Yep. Uh, but Carrie and Tommy win by one vote. Uh, Sue notices the pig's blood precariously perched in this orchestrated sequence, which is wonderful. It is. We get lots of strings, her noticing in slow motion, uh, Mrs. Giardin or whatever her name is. Miss Collins. Like, follows. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you shouldn't be here. What's going on? We need to eject you out of the prom. Well, because it's like a tragic little framing because sue notices chris and john travolta under the stage and she like goes over to try and like stop them Uh but mrs collins assumes that she's trying to interfere with the the you know the announcement and locks her out of prom but takes her away throws her saves her saves her in the process so that's the point um but then at that point carrie is dumped on by pig's blood Mm mm-hmm it's a whole tragic incident. She envisions everyone laughing at her, even though it's only Sue's, like, 
in the in the novel, it's only supposed to be like Sue's closest yeah. that are laughing and, at her. And I think the movie conveys that nicely because we. I only... don't know because it, it it feels like me. Everyone in the movie is laughing at her. It. I don't. I I read it the okay. other way because okay. because everyone is very visibly shocked, mm-hmm. and the only ones who start laughing are Red Cap Girl, Mario yeah. Girl, yeah, uh, PJ, PJ Souls. Souls. And then uh, the one weird tuxedo t-shirt guy, uh-huh. he starts, like, forcing a laugh out. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the bully red cap guy is is hesitant to start laughing, and yeah. everyone else looks And we hear Carrie, shocked. they're all gonna laugh at you. And she envisions them all, including... They're all gonna laugh at you. Including Mrs. Collins, yeah. like, who, who yeah. would not laugh and at And I her. have to say, in the novel, Mrs. Collins is giving a mercy. She's, mm-hmm. like, ejected from the prom somehow. Mm-hmm. She's not killed. She goes through, like, the whole thing where, like, there was supposed to be more sequences where Carrie goes through the town mm-hmm. and destroys everything. Like, she turns down, like, live wires, she breaks telephone poles, okay. and kills everyone who's innocent adjacent to that. But Miss Collins is, like, narrating the whole event. She's like, I avoided a telephone pole here. Mm-hmm. I stepped over that there, and I saw that she was killing people non-discriminately. Okay. So, you know, I hate that Betty Buckley dies here. Because in the novel, she does not. Mm-hmm. And in the new adaptation, I think, with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz or whatever, who plays her, mm-hmm. um, she does not die. She's, like, spared. Okay. Because she's, like, the one nice person to carry. She is, yeah. Which I love as, like, a trope, as a theme. But here she is killed mercilessly. She's yeah. uh, vivisected by a basketball ba- board. <laughs> yeah, like a basketball, like, yeah. Unfolds down and, and, and cuts her in half. Yeah. Like the mom from Signs. And like yeah. all the other girls are getting the hose turned on them, electrocuted. Like the high power fire hose is spraying them, yeah. and uh, the lights are sparking and starting fires. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Brian De Palma did not like this split, uh, split screen thing that was going on, mm-hmm. but then he realized afterwards that it was kind of iconic. Yeah. Well, no, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, but people are kind of, the, the doors are psychically held shut as the fire starts going and people are in a mass panic. Um, and there were a lot of real film injuries during this scene. <laughs> I could see why. I, yeah, that's under, yeah, yeah. That would, that's understandable. Because yeah. people were, people were like, flo- like throwing themselves over yeah, tables fire and hose shit, so. turned on them, turned over tables. Yeah. Bowtie principal gets electrocuted. It was a different time, Dan. Yeah. But, but the bodies are piling up and people are dying and the gym is now fully caught on fire. Yep. Uh, Carrie leaves the gym and starts walking home. While filming the bloody prom sequence, Sissy SpaceX trailer was parked behind the set. After being covered in fake blood for continuity purposes, SpaceX refused to wash the effect off. She elected instead to sleep in her bloody clothes for three days. Jeez. Acting was different back Gotta then. Gotta give props then. to Sissy Spacek. I, I, I would love that. I, I already gave her props, I do that. but I, I... Yeah, that's... Wow. Uh, Chris and Billy try to run her over, but Carrie flips and explodes their car. Yeah, she just... La, it's, as it's done in the book. It's exactly how it's done in the book. And, like, Chris is going through, like, a thing. She's like, did Billy fucking impregnate me? Like, that's oh. her whole second debate is, like, did I get, like, raped... And am I pregnant? In the book, this? you mean? In the yeah. book, okay, yeah. yeah. And then she's like, fuck Carrie White, I'm going to run her over. Okay. But I, I think she's a little more sympathetic in the book mm-hmm. at that point. But yeah, Carrie does overturn their car and, and kill them. And blows it up. Yeah. yeah. Which for, is a very, good measure. Yeah. very cool thing. Uh, but then Carrie returns home in the book after like lighting fire to the entire town. Because mm-hmm. the book is told in like newspaper um, commentary on that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but she does return home and she's calling for her mother. An iconic yeah. scene like, Mama, they laughed at me. She goes up, she takes a bath. We see Jonathan Kwiatkowski in the corner. Oh, uh, well, also there's candles everywhere. Yeah. The entire house. Very me, very is... me. It's like Dan Ryan returned home, light the candles. It's yeah. filled with candles. There's like a bunch of candles balancing on the bed mm-hmm. in the mother's room. It, they're yeah. everywhere. You're yeah. going to see me pop out of the shadows. Go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you are. You're behind the door. So. Pop up. I I love this. She's taking the Harriet the Spy bath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's washing the sin off of her, and then we see Piper Laurie just, you know, you need to fucking die. Menacingly emerges from yeah. the. Well, she she says that uh, you know Carrie kind of relents and is like, you know, I'll, I'll stay and I'll pray with mm-hmm. you. Just hold me. Yeah. I remember your father, the whiskey on his breath, and I liked it. And then we, well, yeah, and then we get some insight into the mom where it's like because she engaged in a sinful act with mm-hmm. the father that Carrie is cursed, that that she is the sin immortalized, and that's why she has these, uh, you know, abilities. Yeah. And Carrie's mom has to, is intends to snuff it out. Has to purge the sin, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we get the Jonathan Korkowski standing, stabbing Dan Ryan scene. Mm-hmm. You pull a, a knife out yeah, of the floorboard. Yeah, my carrot and... knife. And you're following me through close-ups, going through the house as Dan's tumbling. Yeah. And then Dan manages to kill me with 10,000 knives. 10,000 spoons when all you need is a yeah. knife. And yeah, pudding spoon, that would be the way i go. The, the mom is pinned against the archway of the kitchen. In a crucifix pose. Well, matching it, the statue. Yeah. Matching well, it's supposed little... to be St. Sebastian. Yeah, this is, yeah. 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 Um, it, well, it's in the same position as that little statue, uh-huh. and she, as you put it, she she's like uh, ecstatic about it. She yeah. she's she's an ecstasy mom. She that's how she wanted to go. Yeah, uh, and she dies. Yeah, slumped over, pinned, hanging up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carrie is double traumatized now, and. <laughs> You know, takes her mother's body and flees into the punishment closet. As the house is collapsing. So, like, supposedly in the novel, it's supposed to be, like, the rocks come back Mm -hmm. and destroy everything in this home. I I would really advise reading it. It's only 200 pages, Dan. Mm -hmm. I think you could do it. I think I could, yeah. Yeah, you could read. I can. If you try. If Yeah. You've got Muzzy. That's true, yeah. Yeah, those kids aren't speaking French. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually English. I, that is one of those like buried memories. Oh, of those commercials. I know all about Muzzy. Je suis un Francais. <laughs> oh my god, it, I've been there, Dan. How much was that tape set? Like a hundred something. And, like you know, it was... if uh, my life would have been different if Donna bought it for me, I would have learned French right there and there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that was Duolingo before. Yeah, you know it existed. Oh my god, yeah, do a peep. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but the next morning, Sue is like, damn, most people I know are dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a traumatic memory. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's you know, in bed. And we assume this is a few days later because the mom answers a phone call yeah. and she's like, I'm not taking her to the funerals because yep. there's so many of them and she knew all of them. And, like, the novel is posed as, like, Sue giving her, like, thing to the jury. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how I remember it. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, exposing her, but she does visit Carrie's grave. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, Dan? Uh, well, <laughs> Carrie White lives in hell. Seemingly on the on the burnt ruins of the house, there is a for sale sign in the shape of a white cross. Yeah, where uh, someone's vandalized. Someone's vandalized it to say Carrie White burns in hell. Yeah. Uh, Sue goes there to kind of put flowers on Carrie's resting place. Mm-hmm. 
and she's framed with like the immaculate lighting from behind. It's very uh, nightmare, nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Yeah, like white dress. And she puts the flowers down and then carries bloody hand in a very effective... It got me yeah, this it, time. It's a jump scare. It, it was one of the OGs. And probably one of the best carries bloody me, hand. Me, I'm just sitting there like smoking a cigarette like I know what's coming. I almost choked on my candy, but then uh, it if grabs I'm... her arm and, you know, Sue wakes up next to her mother, like, you know, screaming feeling something actually grabbing her arm and yeah. and her mom is desperately trying to like like so it's her not down. real it's not real yeah so a subplot in the book sue's pregnant okay throughout the whole thing and she's trying to like come to terms with giving birth to this child okay so then she's talking with carrie and she's like realizes like oh carrie's suffering as much as i am mm-hmm. and the whole thing happens sue survives she leaves the prom and then she's visited by Carrie in a dream. Mm-hmm. She's the last one to see Carrie, like, dying mm-hmm. on the streets or whatever after killing Margaret. Okay. And she, like, she shows up and she's like, I'm sorry for my sins. Carrie touches her and kills her unborn child. And she has a miscarriage at that point. Wow. I'm, I'm I, telling you, Stephen yeah. King, yeah. he knows how to write things, Dan. Okay. And it's, like, very deep and heavy at that point. And she's like, oh, shit, like... That was my whole suffering during this. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have made fun of that girl. Like, it's come full circle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that would explain Chris's paranoia with that, I guess. Yeah. However, the loud ending music covered this. It's like, I don't know if it was supposed to be envisioned at this. It's like almost supposed to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stephen King liked the ending in the movie better than the ending of his book. And that's a very classic King move there. But I I think I like King's ending a bit more where it's like she gets a miscarriage and she's like, oh, shit, I have to deal with, like, the comeuppance with what I dealt with. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And that's all my notes, Dan, on Carrie. Of course. I did that. Yeah. Nothing about the Rage Carrie 2? (laughs) Before we watch the Rage Carrie 2, we're going to be watching Carrie the Musical because it's an iconic piece of theater, film, whatever you want to call it. Mm Mm-hmm. Certainly. You like this thing down, I guess. So Yeah. Carrie White eats shit. Excellent movie. Obviously a Halloween classic. Mm. Happy to have watched it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Anything you would have changed? I'm always interested to know. Mm. Mm Hmm. I... I Probably similar to you, I, I would have... I don't even know if I would have saved Mrs. Collins because it feels like that's... I would have because it's Betty Buckley. I would have saved her. Well, I know because it's yeah. Betty Buckley, but because yeah. I, I think it adds to the tragedy at yeah. the end. Tragedy! And maybe, just maybe include some of those scenes of like a town ramp because I know we don't oh, yeah. see a lot of Well, the, the budget wasn't big enough, yeah. according to Brian De Palma. He's like, oh, we would we had them filmed, but... Yeah, Carrie walking home, flipping the car was enough for us. But maybe, like, having Sue witness some of their, like, having a final Mm -hmm. moment in the street or something. Like, it could have been interesting, but I I wouldn't change anything else. All right, good to know, Dan. I thoroughly enjoy this movie. It's one of my favorite horror films of all all time. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the cast. I love the crew. I love the feel of this. It's 70s horrors to a T. Um, but before we go, Dan, mm-hmm. into our next horror adjacent special, yes, 
Is there anywhere that our audience can find us on social media? Uh, you can follow me at King underscore Danis on Instagram, X, and Threads if you so choose. I'm going to try to get more artwork up there soon. Yeah, and you can follow me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, at Leads My Mind JK on Instagram and other such platforms. I don't remember. You usually say the TikTok. Uh, sure, why not? Whose memory is going I don't know on. if it's. I don't know if it's Drink and Read. Mm-hmm. Dan, I've tried so hard. <laughs> I've done so much. But uh, you can follow my other podcasts, including Nightcaps of the Theater and Drink and Read JK on most podcasting platforms. And if you don't find me, find Drink and Read JK. I'm there too. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but Dan, I know what we're watching next. I'm no dummy. You're no dummy? I can read through your mind. Let me say it here. Okay, go for it. Next week, we're watching Paranoia Agent. No, we're not. Oh my god. You were You're close. You're making me look dumb, aren't you? You were close. Well, we we might just do Paranoia Agent after this. Well. Um, but something else. I dis- tried my best. Something distracted me. Yeah. Uh, that I think is more of manageable to get in before Christmas. Hmm. Um, in the past, on this podcast, I have brought a lot of fighting game adaptations. I've tried to find <laughs> anime that adapts fighting games. Yeah. And there is a certain fighting game series that is uh, prime material for Halloween. Great. So it's a Darkstalkers? It is Darkstalkers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, Here I go. Moving on from the religious fervor of this episode, uh, you know, next week we're going to enter a very spooky world where darkness has, you know, encircled <laughs> everything and mm. the human race is in grave danger. And the mm. only ones who can stand any chance of stopping it might Red just be Riding the, Hood. Yeah. the demons themselves. Yep. We hope you'll join us then for the Darkstalkers <laughs> original OVA series. Great. We're I was gonna, so close. <laughs> you're going to go drive you batty. Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weave horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara.